0: Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor and the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for finding us on your favorite podcast app. We are no longer on Podbean, so make the switch to either Red Circle, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, the Five Reasons YouTube channel, Stitcher, or any other podcast platform. Also check out 5ReasonsSports.com. Make sure you spell that one out. You get the latest takeaways from Brady Hawk, Louis Sung, and others on all the teams in town. And check out the great sponsors of the 5 Reasons Sports Network. That includes our friends over at PrizePix. Use the code 5FIVE. F-I-V-E. Get your initial deposit matched up to $100 at PrizePix. They've already got all the Dolphins props for the Patriots game up there. So check them out. Use the code 5FIVE F-I-V-E, at PrizePicks.com. You can also download it from the Google App Store or or Google play Store I should say or the app store on Apple and now today's episode
1: to yeah. uh, fall the floor ride for my dogs yeah. Where is the game uh, you can check the score uh, hustle hard couple scars rain bubble frog uh, just like what said, you were in trouble y'all yeah. check uh, the floor playing yeah. got all bang uh, y'all seen the block uh, stop one here Pat, we trust, it's the guts. we here to bring the heat. Y'all can hang it up.
2: Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA, featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network.
0: Welcome back to Five on the Floor. It's your host, Brady Hawk. Uh, no Ethan tonight, no Greg tonight. Uh, but I have some spot-up shooters around me. We have Alex Salito, you can follow at Tropical Blanket. Uh, and we have Gadio Cartagena, who you can follow at Gadio Cartagena. Obviously, it's going to sound a lot different. This is a first-time hosting. Uh, we've been doing a lot of top five episodes on uh, this pod. We've done a lot with Ethan and Greg. I've been going into historical top fives. I can't be a part of those because I was born the year D. Wade was drafted. So we're doing a current one. We're doing one about current stats. We're going to go into some numbers. We're going to look, do the five stats that kind of need to change heading into next season. Just when looking over, let's just say uh, it's a pretty broad topic because you can go regular season playoffs, individual stats, team stats, advanced stats. But I'm going to start here. I'm going to get, kick it off really quickly. I think the first one where we have to start is Bam Bio because anytime we're having any type of discussion in general, I feel like we have to start with Bam Bio. But it's one that the fan base has this discussion. We've heard Pat Riley on multiple kind of times have this discussion. And now we're going to have this discussion. It's the field goal attempts. The fact that uh, he averaged 13 field goal attempts this past regular season. It went from uh, 12.5 the year before and 11 the year before. It's gradually increasing. But I think the goal here is when when Pat Riley was talking after the season, they want him taking that jump. This is a similar roster heading into next season. Uh, I think the way this gets a little weird, I will add, is that you're basically exchanging P.J. Tucker for Victor Oladipo. So the shots have to go somewhere. Like somebody is going to decrease shots probably this season. I don't know who that'll be. That's probably a whole other topic. But the point is that Bam needs to be a focal point of the offense. And maybe that number to shoot for is 15. I don't know what it is, but I think he just has to be a kind of a focal point here heading into next season with this being the roster. So I'll go to you first, Alex. Do you think let's just say a 15 field goal attempts is kind of a viable kind of shooting point there. Uh, Or what
3: do you kind of see him landing, I guess, in the field goal attempts? I think 15 should be the goal. It's a clean, good rounded number. You know, Pat has already set that uh, kind of like as a baseline. And I think it's going to be the number that we all kind of monitor, right? The, The amount of field goal attempts that Bam is taking per game. I think, you know, kind of related to the last podcast we did, as far as pace, right? Like, like I said on that show, I'm not expecting the Heat to all of a sudden be this super fast-paced team, but I do expect them to be, a, you know, a little bit faster than what they were last season. And so as a result, hopefully that helps Bam along in, in you know, to get that into that uh, 15 field goal attempts a game goal. And obviously it's going to have to do with the way that he goes about it as well, his attitude stuff that we talked about on here a million times. But I think 15 is a good number, like I said, because Pat has said it. Bam has kind of hinted, um, that he's going to do some more of that stuff that everybody has been asking of him. So not to point to the Miami Pro League stuff because he's done this like every other summer. But I think the, the type of stuff you saw him doing in those videos, is the type of stuff that he fans dream about him doing. And now, although I don't necessarily see him uh, playing all that much one on one like he was in those uh, videos. I know, uh, Brady, you were there. Uh, I, I do think he is going to be a little bit more offensive-minded this season, and I think them playing a little bit faster is going to be better for him. I think he fits well in that type of scheme, and so I think he can get to 15. I wouldn't be surprised if it landed at about 13.5 or 14, though, just knowing Bam, you know, I, just trying to temper my own expectations. You mentioned the Miami Pro League, Gad.
0: We were there and watching Bam just take pull-up threes time and time again. And I know we have this discussion about three-point attempts. Like, it's something that we keep going to. If I will give my personal opinion, I don't see that being something that shoots up crazy. Like, I think mastering the mid-range, being a better roller, being a better attacker is probably going to be the better, kind of bigger focus. But when you think about, first, I'll give you the same question about, do you think 15 is kind of a viable reaching point? And do you think the three-pointer is kind of be kind of the, the edge there, at least, when he's kind to increase this?
1: So I think 15 is about where you want BAM to be next season. I think he's kind of earned that right where the offense kind of should be more predicated towards him. And we'll get to that with one of the stats that I'm going to talk about in a little bit. And I think the increase, you'll see some threes, I hope because you can only be teased for so long. I mean, at some point kind of have to cash that check and start shooting threes. I mean, he told the kids at Tony Fiorentino's camp and he ultimately hasn't done that. And I think eventually he'll start taking threes, but Uh, I think where I want to see an increase or where I want to see the increase go towards is I want to see some like some spots that Bam can actually get comfortable. Some baseline isos, maybe some face ups, get him like 15 feet from the basket when he's catching the ball. One move, go to the rim, draw foul, finish at the rim, something like that. Something that feels somewhat sustainable in a playoff sense, because we can ask for him to shoot threes and he can start taking the threes. And maybe he shoots a solid percentage in the regular season. But ultimately, that's going to be a shot that playoff defenses are going to want him to take. So we can start that development this year. But I think what I want to see from Bam when we see that increase, it's really just find a spot that you're comfortable with, that you can consistently go to and develop multiple counters with come playoff time. If he's able to do that uh, while adding like two or three more shots per game, I think we're looking at a
0: Bam leap. You mentioned the words go-to. Like, I feel like that's what you're hinting at. Like, if he could just find a go-to that he can consistently get to, like you're saying, that's something that can translate. And the thing about the three-point shooting is that usually when the guys first start shooting threes, they start in the corners. And I just don't think corner shooting moves the needle for him right now. Like, maybe long-term it makes sense for him to push in that direction slightly and then eventually get above the break. But at this current stage, like, above-the-break shooting would move the needle. Corner shooting doesn't. But I do know in those clips from Miami Pro League, he was shooting above the break three. So that's what gets everybody excited. But I'll swing it over to you, Alex. We'll just go to the second one. Is there a certain number that kind of stuck out that you think needs to change?
3: Yeah, and this is one that I think Gad has hit on a lot. Um, So I'm going to credit him because he came in mind when I was trying to come up with um, what to point out for this podcast. And this is one that I think we we talked about a lot and it's going to be really important when you're moving on from being a, a team that is mostly defense first and you're trying to become more of an offense-oriented team, even though I expect them to still be a good defense, and that's rim pressure. I think um, they don't get to the rim enough. Outside of Jimmy Butler, they don't get anybody um, going to the rim at a consistent enough rate. There are A lot of the guys that they have on the roster, specifically their best players, are guys who will tend to overpass more than overshoot, other than, let's say, Tyler Hero, Right. Um, I just think because of that, that's something that they're going to have to improve if they want to kind of lean a little bit more offense. They were in the bottom four, specifically the fourth worst in rim rate as far as getting to the rim. And look, there's other good teams that are there at the bottom of that. But the difference between the Heat and let's say some of these other teams that are at the bottom here, like the Clippers, like uh, I think the Raptors and the Warriors were there a lot of these teams have guys whose best players can actually like shoot off the dribble and are actual shooting threats. Right. So I think whereas the heat generate a lot of like their perimeter attempts with their role players, that's the difference between kind of these other teams. It's, it feels like you're not, you're not getting the most out of your team, even, and I'm not saying this is a spoil thing. I just feel like in general, they need to kind of emphasize that more as a team to Get more feet in the paint because when you look at the, kind of the their pie chart of where they take their shots, it's a lot of like their middle, their middle in the pack in the league. Uh, when it comes to mid range, and the same thing with actually threes. You'd, like you would think that they uh, they would rank higher as far as how many threes they take, but it's about twelfth, whereas the mid range is about fourteenth, and at the rim they're bottom four. So to me, clearly that just signals you got to do more there, and it can't just be Jimmy Jimmy pummeling his way to the rim excuse me and look they got to make it easier on him that's what this comes down to and i think bam is a part of that yeah and i think other than
0: just simply bulldozing to the rim when you think of rim pressure let's say running pick and rolls something i've kind of hinted as i think they go more into like they're already a motion offense they already are total movement but i think they expand that like i look at them replacing or, or i guess not replacing pj tucker but let's say subbing in a Kayla Martin in for PJ Tucker or an extra offensive player for PJ Tucker, you're opening something up offensively to just create just total chaos in, in just terms of movement. Uh, they've yeah. done it a lot and it's worked. That's what kind of provides rim pressure at times. It's not the the go to one, but sometimes when you're moving off the ball, the guy that's cutting draws two defenders, you get an open shot, or sometimes you fly off a handoff to fly there and you get an open layup backside. So I guess there's other ways to kind of, create that type of rim pressure but i guess if you're going to name one player to add into this rim pressure it's victor depot like i feel like he's the one guy that has provided it and he's the guy we're going to look to when you say jimmy butler needs help in terms of kind of bulldozer the rim other than bam Autobio. all the depot is going to be that guy so i'll look i'll go to you gad do you think that depot is going to be kind of that second rim pressure guy and is is he kind of the key to fixing this i guess in jumping in the stat sheet up a little bit higher
1: i I definitely think so i think When I look at this Heat roster, you kind of have to be counting on Victor Oladipo for that on offense. I think that's the perfect place for him to fit. They've need someone that can really just provide that secondary rim pressure. Tyler Hero actually did a pretty good job of it in the regular season. He was good at getting feet in the paint, but he wasn't getting all the way to the rim very consistently. And that's where Hero can also take another step. I think he can probably draw a couple more fouls and just be a little bit more aggressive, probably like adding a little bit weight, getting to the rim. But Depot has to be the guy there. He's the guy that has the juice to do it off the bounce too, which I think is the biggest thing. He doesn't need to just be attacking a sloppy closeout like a lot of the other players on the team. He can just hit you with one quick first step bend go to the corner and then he has a land of the rim like he can get those type of angles on defenders even good defenders we saw him able to do that now part of the issue in the playoffs is he wasn't really going left so you want to see him be able to go get rim pressure going both directions but if he's able to do that i think that's going to help the offense a lot because with non-jimmy minutes there'll be a lot of moments where the offense would be going east to west and that's not what you want to see
0: I will say, I think we mentioned Caleb a lot, I guess, recently, but I'll say that vertical rim pressure is a thing too. Like the fact that he's subbing in for P.J. there, like he provides something differently than what P.J. provided last season. Uh, And you mentioned East and West, so I'll just kick it right back to you, Gad. There's there's some way of forming north and south offense for this team, and that's a certain pick and roll combo that I guess you had a number on.
1: Yeah, so I – Just want to come out and say this to start. I think probably the most common action that I want to see the heat run next year is Tyler hero, bam out of bio pick and roll. I think it's something that gave you a lot of success later in the season when they started subbing Jimmy out first, and it would be hero and bam running pick and roll basically for four straight minutes. I thought the offense got a lot of juice. They got some spark whenever hero checked into the game doing that. I think that's something they needed to go to more because bam needs a dynamic pick and roll partner. Didn't really have that in, after the bubble because Goron wasn't really the same. But in the bubble, when he had that dynamic pick-and-roll partner in Goron, who wasn't even super dynamic. He could just get the job done. Uh, it made a world of a difference in terms of Bam being more efficient, Bam being more comfortable, and the offense looking cleaner as a whole. So last year of the trio of bigs that Tyler Hero is running pick-and-roll with, Omer Yurtseven, Dwayne Debman, and Bam Adebayo, Bam and Hero ran the fewest pick-and-rolls per game. Of That trio, which is kind of shocking. They had the second best efficiency at 1.1 points per game. So I just want to see that more. I want to see Hero take more steps and be more decisive and develop some counters in the pick and roll so that he can also use that come playoff time. And I mean, you just want to see Bam get loose, someone that can create space for him. We talk about the gravity that Duncan had. And he makes it work, but you want someone who's a little bit more dynamic, who isn't just going to be taking the three or passing out of a blitz. I want to see Tyler Hero develop those reps with Bam and pick and roll, because I think that's something that come playoff time is they're going to need it uh, next season. You can't just rely on a heliocentric Jimmy offense.
0: And I think, I personally think Tyler's a starter this season. We can have that that discussion, I guess, as well. But I think that number is going to go up automatically if he's in the starting lineup, like, some of that is the fact that he's playing next to Dwayne Dedman a lot. But with that said, he's playing a lot of minutes next to Bam, even before that switch was made. Late in games, everything along those lines, that needs to be gone to more. I think back to there was a certain Brooklyn game where I think it was Jimmy and Kyle weren't playing. When they were in Brooklyn, they played that game. They ended up winning because they ended up spamming the hero and Bam pick and roll. And that, They both were just kind of dominating in that game. I also think to the beginning of the Philly series where – No Joel Embiid at home, home, games one and two. They won those first two games simply because they just span that that pick and roll into the ground. I think there's two reasons to it or two steps to kind of mastering it. Is One, if Bam's confident in a matchup and when he gets the ball off the roll and if he's going to score, you're in a really good spot because that's what he was doing against Paul Reed at the time. Like it, It kind of switches up when you have a Joel Embiid type in front of you. But when that type of matchup's in front of you, That's the first step of this. When he can get in the pocket and this ties back to field goal attempts, but gets in the pocket, flies up into a jumper or takes it hard to the rack. And you mentioned the other part of this before with with Tyler, when you mentioned about his finishing and kind of getting two feet in the paint. For me personally, thinking about Tyler and Bam pick taking that next step, Tyler kind of providing rim pressure or, or scoring around the rim and getting two feet in the paint is probably the most important thing to me, in my opinion, when you look about regular season, translating into playoffs The one thing that didn't translate, we could talk about Tyler, kind of the numbers or the advanced stats not being in his favor. They weren't allowing him to get to the rim at all in the playoffs. Like it it was, they were overplaying him, but he also couldn't beat the overplay to get to the rim. He was settling for the mid-range jumpers and threes. That if you can have a kind of a steady diet of Bam hero pick and rolls, knowing the spots here is going to get. And this doesn't have to be just him kind of getting fouls all the time or, or kind of bulldozing to the rim as well. He just has to find, I guess, something. Maybe it's that same floater he gets to. Maybe it's a, like different variations of something around the rim that I think could take that next step. But Alex, what do you kind of think is kind of the main element, I guess, of this, this duo evolving? And I know you were sitting there next to me at those games in Philly If I, just when they spammed it.
3: Like, what did you see, I guess, from that duo in those games? I mean, that duo, I think, has always flashed a good amount of stuff. It's just that Tyler has never been in the starting lineup, or excuse me, sustained in the starting lineup because he had that one period a couple of seasons ago. But like, like you said, I think he will be at least to start the season. Right. I don't anticipate that happening again, where he doesn't stay as a starter throughout the season. I think he will. And I think as a result, this is another thing that kind of ties a lot of the stuff that we've already been talking about together, because it's like, you talk about this heat team and now that we know that they're most likely not going to land a star and we know that they're not going to land a four. Now, like, it's all about internal growth. And so it lands on Bam. It lands on Tyler. And it lands on them together and how they play together because it seems like they're going to get more of those reps, right? The rim pressure stuff all, it ties into both of these guys. And I think they have shown they have pick and roll chemistry. And like Gad pointed, I just think Tyler growing into more or less um, a facsimile of what Goran was for them in the 2020 bubble would be absolutely huge because I think that takes the pressure off of Kyle to be that guy, right? I think they kind of needed Kyle to be that guy against Boston. He was obviously not anywhere near ready to be that guy in the shape that he was playing in in this past playoffs. But I think Tyler growing into that scoring presence where you can confidently run those pick and rolls, that would just be incredible because it just takes pressure off of Jimmy. And you you know, you could feel good about creating, generating good offense outside of Jimmy in the playoffs, which is kind of the, the biggest thing uh, in this past run. So Lowry kind of, I think, would settle into a nice role there in, in the point guard position as a starter, if Tyler could really grow into that pick and roll with Bam. Because I just think uh, Tyler getting stronger there, the, the way he looked in that one picture, is going to help him, right? I think he has a variety of moves he can get to already. It's just about him being able to actually get through defenders, finish through contact when he does get there. Right. And I just think him growing into his body physically is going to help with all this stuff because he's already a skilled player and is already a pretty good pick and roll player. And Now it's just going to be about the reps and getting and actually getting these reps with Bam and not Dwayne Dedman. I think you mentioned Lowry there is important because we know
0: what he is in the pick and roll as a passer and him kind of just helping Tyler in that way, mentoring Tyler in that way. I guess, or even being just kind of a therapist to them. And if you're going to go and get your premium CBD oil, you're going to go to therapistpreferred.com. That's the tincture, the sports cream, the gummies. That's for recovery and for sleep. Uh, But make sure you're using the code. That's 5RSN. That's the number 5, 5RSN. And you're going to get 25% off. So go to therapistpreferred.com, 25% off, 5RSN.
2: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.
0: i'm sure you have that extra stat to throw my way i think i know where you're going here but uh just what do you have for me
3: okay and we actually organized all of this pre-show so we knew exactly where each of us was gonna go not something we typically do here on five on the floor we usually go, (laughs) go and kind of wing everything but i think uh you know with the three of us here we kind of had to organize things and i think speaking of organizing, the Heat are going to have to organize their offense a lot better than they have over the past few seasons. If you're going to try to go uh, lean more offense this season, like I just think you cannot be in the bottom five in turnover percentage like they have been for the past few seasons, right? And they were specifically, I think, third worst in turnover percentage this past regular season. Now, what I will give them credit for is that it evened out in the playoffs. They were kind of in the middle there. It was not it did not stand out so much as it did uh, in the playoffs as far as, you know, just comparing it relative to the rest of what's going on. So I got to give him some credit there. But I also just think a lot of that has to do with the pace slowing down and the heat already being comfortable in that type of scenario. I think they're, they're less, you know, um, they play more conservative in the playoffs with the type of passes. I think Jimmy had the ball in his hands a lot more. and You know that when Jimmy has the ball in his hands a lot more, it's less passes being thrown therefore less turnover opportunities, but just in general, I think that's going to be something that they have to clean up because they want to play. A little, I mean, it, it seems like they're going to play a little bit faster than they did in the past. And um, look, if you're going to just like, as Brady has said it before, run it back worse, right? Where you lose PJ, other teams get bigger and better. Um, all you did was draft Yovich, and you're kind of hoping on this internal development. Plus you may or may not grab somebody before the trade deadline these other things have to clean up and this is the stuff on the margins that matters so much in the playoffs and so if you're going to run it back worse like you got to clean up uh, clean it up on the on the turnovers like I think it's got to be better than just oh you know we're okay in the playoffs or you know middle of the pack I I think they really got to clean that stuff up become an efficient offensive team and this is the way that you can I think get into that top 10, get into that top eight, right? Like besides guys just hitting their shots, they got to be efficient and not just constantly turning the ball over and giving teams easy, fast break opportunities.
0: I think I don't want to sound like I'm promoting turnovers because they obviously have to tame this down. Like the fact that you're third in the, in the NBA in turnovers is one thing. But the one thing I'll add in is like, if they're going to be an offensive team and kind of play this, let's say, like I was talking about before, like a heavier dose of of movement offense and kind of moving everything around and playing faster, like you just said, part of me doesn't even mind them being a little higher in turnovers, if you kind of understand what I'm saying. Like, the fact that they were third in the regular season in turnovers, but second was the Golden State Warriors, who ended up winning the championship. And they're a totally different beast. Like, they can because they have two of the best shooters ever. And they have a guy in dream on green orchestrating, and they have a lot of different tools there. But the fact that if Miami can kind of be comfortable with sacrificing this number of turnovers by also running this type of offense and being an offensive team, I think some people would kind of take that type of trade off. So, Gad, do you think you would take personally take that type of trade off? Once again, you have to tame turnovers now, especially late in the season as you're kind of going into the postseason. But is that a sacrifice you think you'd be willing to make?
1: I think it's an interesting conversation because those teams that do employ such like, Heavy motion offenses—they predominantly are going to be turning the ball over sometimes because that's just the way that that offense kind of runs. It's not always going to be perfect communication and whatnot. So if they are leaning more like heavier into motion, I think that would be better for the offense. Uh, you definitely want to see them cut down on turnovers. I think that's something that um, with Kyle Lowry, maybe just getting back into form a little bit, Uh, Gabe Vincent having another year of actually being a point guard because he's pretty much been a combo guard his entire basketball career, at least since he was at UC Santa Barbara Um, or hero being more comfortable in pick and roll. I think you want to see them cut down on turnovers a little bit. And with a team that's so heavy on continuity, um, they're bringing back a ton of the same pieces. You want to see them be able to communicate and understand each other better um, and get that next level of ball movement that they could hopefully get the season I don't know we'll see but I wouldn't mind it um if they were like bottom eight but bottom three is is kind of bad
0: definitely I think if if you're talking about when Alex was talking about middle of the pack I guess later on I guess maybe you'd be okay with it but definitely bottom three bottom five bottom ten I think that's when you kind of have to make that shift but a big time person in that type of shift is gonna be Kyle Lowry like Kind of making that type of decision. If he's going to hit the hit ahead passes and they're going to play high pace, that's one thing. If he's the guy slowing down the offense in half court, that's another thing. So he's going to be a big deal in this. But I know Gad, you had something on Kyle, so I'll go for you for number five.
1: Yeah. So with Kyle, I think we all know what he's good at. He's a really, really good passer. He has been a really good shooter in the past. He kind of started out rocky last year, and then he did. He had a good ending to the season in the regular season um, as a shooter, and then the playoffs were the playoffs, but. I think this season, one thing that I want to see from him is just lean into the three-point shooting more, um, both as a regular shooter and as a pull-up shooter. I think you just need to see more. If you go back from season, 2019, 2020, his last two seasons with the Raptors, he was shooting, he went from eight three-point attempts per game to 7.2 three-point attempts per game to his first season with the Heat, 6.1 three-point attempts per game. I want him kind of at that 7.5 to 8 mark because you he's not going to be getting to the rim he's not going to provide rim pressure his mid-range isn't going to consistently be there so just shoot the three I think if you're going to run handoffs with bam if someone's going to be the handoff guy in the starting lineup I think it's going to be Kyle because he has a quick trigger with that he can take it especially when he's going to his left he's very comfortable taking that but we cannot afford any ounce of hesitation I think one of the reasons there were some slow starts is because Kyle came into the game and he wouldn't really be trying to look for his own shot. I think this year I want to see him looking for his own three-point shot. Just be a floor spacer who's also simultaneously a really, really good passer and let Hero and Bam and maybe Jimmy kind of handle some of the other stuff. He's able to do that. I think then he fits really, really well with the starting lineup. So like seven and a half threes is about
0: where I want him. Yeah, I totally agree. I think when you think about you're trying to find ways to not restrict the offense, like, As great as P.J. was, and I'm not just saying this because P.J. isn't on the team, but he restricted their offense at times because he's the guy you can lay off in the corner. He's the guy that's not an above-the-break shooter. He's just the guy that's not as mobile as some of the other guys. The other piece of this team that can restrict in the half-court offense at times was Kyle Lowry, just the guy that's not taking the the above-the-break three when they're going under and you're not making them pay. It just keeps making you just go back to nothing. Uh, There was the Game 6 in Boston. I know the Jimmy Butler game in the Eastern Conference Finals. That game, he came in with a mindset he was going to take that three. And he was a big reason they won that game. That's obviously not going to get talked about enough because they ended up losing that series, and that was the big Jimmy game. But Kyle was big in that that type of game because that is going to be one of the most important things. If he can just take that, that number will say that he's taking that three immediately above the break. Uh, I think Alex said it on it before. Kyle could be slotted in different spots, like with the hero band pick and roll maybe he gets more opportunities off the ball and catch and shoot, but nothing moves the needle, I guess, more than that pull-up three. So Alex, what is your opinion, I guess, on on Kyle, maybe shooting for that 7.5 mark? And do you agree that the kind of that pull-up range is kind of the more important aspect, I guess,
3: than, than the catch and shoot? Could not agree more um, that that's the more important aspect. Although I I definitely think he's going to get more of the easier looks than the pull-up ones, especially because I just think it's the way he plays unfortunately. Right. Like I think, He's kind of settled into that where he's not as um, pull-up heavy. He doesn't take as quite as many shots as he used to, you know, during his peak Raptors days. But if you look at it, and I've talked about this before on the podcast, like um, ever since 2018, his shot diet has changed, whereas like it's more perimeter-based. But the the difference is from the 2020 and 2021 season through this last season, when you look at it, like there's a – there's a drop-off of uh, 1.5 rim attempts per 75 for Kyle. And then there's also a drop-off, like Gad was pointing to, of about, I think it was 1.2 three-point attempts per 75. Shout-out to Dunks and Threes for that. But that's the type of stuff where it doesn't sound like a lot, but those are the margins in uh, shot-taking that Kyle has got to take him, especially in the playoffs, man. Like, I think they were desperate for somebody to make those shots uh, coming off the drop specifically against the Celtics, right, where it's like, you would have thought that uh, the Celtics playing a drop versus the Heat would have played into the Heat's hands. And this is something that uh, Giancarlo Navas from Heat Beat, shout out him, um, uh, pointed this out, right? It's like he was so confident that the Heat would end up on top even though they were playing hurt because they've just beat the drop so many times. But their guys just were not hitting, whether it was their uh, role players coming off of dribble handoffs or catch and shoots, or whether it was Kyle and Tyler who were supposed to be the drop killers. And I really do think, They've got to emphasize that again. Like, I feel like I sound like a broken record with this. It's just like all of this really ties into the leaning offense stuff. Like you need Kyle and Tyler to be shooting threats off of the drop. And Tyler already is, of course. Um, He probably leans more into playing into into the mid range when he's kind of run off the line. I think he is kind of like Booker-ish, you know, McCollum-esque. But as far as Kyle Lowry, like, he's got to take those threes. And I think he's got to try to get to the rim at least one more time a game. I don't think he's got to be blowing by guys, but he cannot be passive. Like, I just think they need him to be at the top of his game. And the free throw attempts may
0: be declining as well, because a guy that's trying to prepare for the playoffs at all times may not want to be taking those type of shots and trying to get to the line time and time again like Jimmy. And it's funny, speaking of Jimmy, I wanted to throw this in there. We just went through a Miami Heat stats conversation and we talked about Lowry, Bam, Hero, Depot. It's funny how we don't even have to bring up Jimmy in these conversations. Like we mentioned him in the rim pressure kind of topic, but the fact is that we know what Jimmy is at this stage. We know what he's going to provide. We know what he's going to provide when it matters. It's just more about the guys around him. And I guess that's just where they stand right now. But I will say shout out to our sponsors, Prize Picks and Therapist Preferred, Uh There'll be more episodes throughout the week. Thank you for listening and have a good night. Thank you for
2: listening to the five on the floor on the five regional sports network. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card.